Welcome to Lymphedema Podcast. I'm Betty Westbrook, Certified Lymphedema Therapist and the host of Lymphedema Podcast. The purpose of Lymphedema Podcast is to provide answers and explanations for people affected by the lymphatic disease lymphedema. This podcast is for patients, family members, medical professionals, and anyone interested in lymphedema. Each week, I discuss a new topic related to this disease to help you learn more and navigate better the journey ahead. Disclaimer, as a certified lymphedema therapist, all information provided is based on my professional experiences and education. I recommend that anyone who feels they have lymphedema or have been medically diagnosed with lymphedema seek in-person medical treatment from a certified lymphedema therapist. I'm so passionate about teaching others about lymphedema that I created this podcast. Thanks for joining me. I hope you're ready to learn something new today. Welcome back for episode 10 of Lymphedema Podcast. We're keeping the momentum going for Lymphedema Month by spotlighting advocates and real lymphedema patients throughout the month of March. Some of you may be familiar with my guest today. She is third generation primary lymphedema patient who created her blog, LymphyStrong, in 2015. Vern Cineres is a powerful advocate for the lymphedema community. She has volunteered as a Texas co-chair for the Lymphatic Education and Research Network since 2017. During that time, she has hosted the Greater Houston, Texas Walk and Fandango to fight lymphedema and lymphatic diseases. She's been a guest blogger on the Learn website and presented her story at the Lymphatic Symposium in Boston. She also received the 2018 Advocate Award. In 2017, she graduated from the National Lymphedema Network's Lymph Science Advocacy Program, after which she was invited to share her story of lymphedema dystichiasis at the 20th Annual State of Georgia Lymphedema Education and Awareness Conference hosted by the Lighthouse Lymphedema Network. Welcome to Lymphedema Podcast, Vern. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. I'm so glad you're here. I've been so encouraged by your blog, Lymphy Strong, since becoming a lymphedema therapist. And while researching for today, I read on the blog that you've been to D.C. twice to advocate for the LTA, which I am kicking myself a little that I haven't run into you there because I would have loved to meet you in person before today. That would have been so awesome. I actually um, went first for the LTA in May of 2017. And then my second trip to D.C. was for um, lobby days on behalf of LEARN. And that was a unique experience because I was able to um, collaborate with both LEARN advocates and LTA advocates in that trip. Oh, that's awesome. Are you going this year to the lobby days in May for the LTA? Unfortunately, I have a previous commitment, so I won't be making it this year. But, of course, I'm so happy to be here on the Lymphedema Podcast and to be part of this awesome initiative that you have created for the entire lymphedema community. Um, when I created the blog, I never dreamed it would be read by therapists like you all of this time or years later. So it's awesome to know that it's a resource in that space, too. I like to use it in the clinic to point patients in the direction of something that's encouraging so that they just have that community that they can build themselves into and um, a community to where they can share their story or just get a little bit of support because um, as you and I discussed before recording here today, 
I don't have lymphedema. I am not a patient of lymphedema. And sometimes it's hard to relate to someone, even though I try my hardest to put myself in my patient's shoes or to, you know, try to think, you know, okay, where are they coming from with this situation? Sometimes you just want to talk to someone who understands, that really understands as far as I'm living it, I'm walking it, I know what you mean. So I love to use your blog to point patients in the direction of just some community and some support. So um, I definitely read it. That's wonderful. We have, um, we do have some online support communities that are an extension of the blog. Um, Some of them are on Facebook. Uh, We are also on Instagram and I'm sure you'll talk about that later in the podcast. Mm -hmm. So while we're talking about the blog, let's talk a little bit about what motivated you to start Lymphy Strong in the first place. Well, um, part of my story is that I was diagnosed officially in 1998 uh, alongside my father. And fast forward to 2014, I had gone to um, a clinic years prior that was not up to par to the gold standard of complete congestive therapy in 2010. And as a matter of fact, I think that my lymphedema worsened from there. Um, so when I was able to be referred to Memorial Hermann here in Houston and actually went through the full six weeks of wrapping and manual lymphatic drainage, um, I began to reduce, fortunately. And it took me about three months to fit into shoes. And all of, this, all of that time, I navigated it on my own with my father as my mentor. And uh, it never dawned on me to search for lymphedema on the internet or on social media or on any types of groups. And it wasn't until, I believe, that summer in June or July of 2015 that I found a lymphedema group. And as time grew on and I kept reducing, um, I implemented some strategies with skincare and a nighttime garment program. And what I began to notice was a lot of the activity in these groups were very dark. And in comparison to what I viewed as my father being very strong with this disease, I had this idea that we could create a blog together. So Lymphy Strong started out as it always started out as a community. It started out as a community of two people. I sat him down and I said, I explained what I was seeing online and that I wanted to create a blog. And he was a very small town, Texas kind of guy that really didn't believe in the internet or (laughs) anything technological. Um, You know, he preferred books or the newspaper or TV. So he asked me, he said, what's a blog? And I said, well, it's sort of like an online newspaper, but you get to read, you get to write what you want. You publish it and people read it. And he, his first question was, 
Do you think anybody will read it? And I, I, I had to laugh because of his face, you know, because he said that lymphedema was depressing to have. And I said, yeah, but you manage it so well, even though you're you're so advanced. I said, you, you have such a positive attitude. I never see you get depressed about it. I never hear you complain about it. So there's something there. And you've helped me all these years, and I think it would help other people if we shared those tips. So I'm here to ask for your blessing. This will be as much your story as it is mine. And he said, if it will help other people, then you have my blessing to do this. So that was the birth of Lumpy Strong. And it has helped so many people. He would be so proud to see it. Well, um, you know, I I didn't know a lot about blogging when I first started. I just kind of flew by the seat of my pants, so to speak. Um, And, you know, monitoring statistics and all of that stuff really came as an afterthought. But when people began to ask me about viewership or readership, um, I realized last year that it had reached over 138 countries worldwide. So what started out as two... What started out is what I thought were the only two people on the planet that had this uh, really just went worldwide. Um, it, it's it's mind boggling to think that someone in Pakistan or Egypt or someone across the world is Googling and searching for this information and, and this blog pops up. So March is lymphedema awareness month and we did just celebrate world lymphedema day on march 6th so i think it's kind of fitting that you just mentioned there you know you didn't realize when you started that your blog would reach people all over the world because you and your dad felt like you were the only two going through that but really now you know we look back and we see that people worldwide are experiencing these symptoms and this disease and everyone is really just looking for the answers and looking for the community to have that encouragement. Um, I loved how you said that your dad had been so encouraging and positive throughout the whole thing. And this kind of gives me chills a little bit, but you were giving encouragement and a positive experience to people all over the world through this page. I think that's awesome. Thank you so much. Um, it kind of tears me up a little bit. <laughs> oh, me too. A little bit. I'm just sitting here thinking like, wow, that reach, you know, it's the internet is so cool. Our reach is so much farther than we may ever realize or imagine. And I, I know that you didn't go into this for likes or views or shares or anything. And that's no, much I didn't how, know anything about that. That's much, I didn't know anything about that stuff about, you know, social media um, statistics or um, what is it, search engine optimization or anything like that. Uh, all I wanted to initially do was shed light on multi-generational lymphedema because you know, I didn't see any blogs that had a parent-child relationship feature or even siblings, um, 
or familial uh, relationships. So that that's initially what it started out, but from that seed, it grew into this, I want to say forest. Yeah, it's amazing. Because in my mind, uh, when I started it, I thought that you know, people that had limpid, well, populations that had lymphedema were secondary to cancer and um, primary or hereditary. And here I am almost four years later, and I've learned that people are getting lymphedema from seemingly innocuous routine things from knee surgery, from hysterectomies, from there's nothing innocuous about a car accident, but I know people who have been in car accidents or have had falls and they get lymphedema. So any kind of trauma or injury to the body that anyone can have, lymphedema can be a result. And I wasn't aware of that until I started meeting thousands, literally thousands of people with it. Um, When I first started my closed group community on Facebook, I used to personally vet every single person that joined. And I'd reach out to them via messenger and I would ask them, do you have lymphedema? Because I didn't want to build a community that had anyone that was maybe didn't have the right intentions for joining. Right. And so one by one, I heard all of these stories that were so personal and so Some of them were very tragic and it just opened my mind. It opened up my world. It opened up my heart. It was incredibly moving to do that. And I think that that's part of the spirit behind the Be Strong is that it's about people. It's about the community. I never sought out to write anything technical. I'm not a medical professional like yourself. There are plenty of medical professionals and, and journals and, and scientific um, information out there on lymphedema, whether you, regardless of how you spell it. Um, but Lymphy Strong is about, like I said, it started out with two people and it's about community. So, um, yes, I was definitely moved by everyone that joined and everybody that has followed the page so far. And I can personally attest to you vetting people because even though I've been a fan of Lymphy Strong, um, I just recently stumbled upon the closed group and that's kind of how we got hooked up is you were like, Hey, (laughs) you didn't fill out the questionnaire. (laughs) Yeah. So anyone listening, she is going to find you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if there's an interest, if, if, uh, if, yeah, I definitely ask questions. Um, maybe it's just a sense of, you know, I know people share some of their more, more personal, they share things like photos, they share um, intimate feelings about the disease or symptoms. And um, that's not for everyone to see. And so there's, it's a matter of respect and privacy. And um, 
again, creating that sense of community um, behind what we're about. And the whole mission of those closed group communities is to reach people like myself and my father from small town USA in the middle. You know, I grew up in a small town that was in the right smack in the middle of Corpus Christi, Houston, San Antonio, and Austin. So if you got a major illness and needed major surgery, you had to decide whether you were going to drive to Houston or drive to San Antonio to get treatment. Right. There was no lymphedema treatment. My father wasn't diagnosed for 24 years. And the only way he got diagnosed is because when I graduated from Texas A&M, and I started my job here in Houston at Shell, I was driving down the freeway and I saw a billboard that had a picture of a leg that looked like my father's leg. If I had never seen that billboard, it would have never gotten diagnosed. If I had chosen a job in San Antonio, maybe his life and my life would have been completely different. Um, I wrote wow. down that 1-800 number and on the way back home from work that day. And he, my mom made the appointment and we all went and um, they treated him. And they were able to reduce him by 40% only. You know, the rest of his leg was fibrotic. And they said there was nothing they could do. For me, they said I was too mild. So I kind of have a chip on my shoulder about that too. Um, for any therapists out there that are listening, I don't think that there's there's any case that's too mild. You know, we need to be in a position where we treat lymphedema or the potential for lymphedema like we do diabetes. We need the education. If, if I had received the education on how to wrap, when to wear compression, formal education, not just hearsay from my father, uh, a formal direct education, then I don't think I would have gone bilateral on a plane. You know, I went bilateral when I took a flight from Houston to Honolulu in 2007. It was an eight hour flight. I wasn't wearing compression. And within hours off of stepping off that plane, my leg began to swell. And this was a dream vacation. It should have been a dream vacation. But I didn't know because my father didn't fly. Um, that wasn't a tip that he could pass on to me. And um, so it, it's just really important that regardless of how advanced or how um, minimal the stage is that all patients receive equal opportunity to education on the do's and don'ts and preventative care, particularly with respect to cellulitis. Oh, if anything, with respect to cellulitis. My father fought over 100 bouts of cellulitis, many times ending up in the intensive care unit. I remember being a little girl, um, six, seven years old, and my mom, you know, my mom always had this, this hospital go bag packed because my dad would get cellulitis so many times 
that she actually had a duffel bag packed with extra clothes, toothbrush, things ready in the event that we had to go to the hospital in the middle of the night or uh, middle of the day, just on an emergency basis. Um, she'd scoop us up at two o'clock in the morning and my dad would be shivering or sweating. Um, it was horrifying. You know, it uh, for a child to realize that their parent could die. I not know why. They didn't have a name. I just wish I could give you a so hug. It's important. Right now. <laughs> it's important. It's important. I. I know people think sometimes <laughs> that this page is about likes and stuff. And yes, there are uh, components to that. But <laughs> statistics prove that if you read it, if you say it, if you write it, you will memorize it. <laughs> and that's why I have the page as well, because the more people see the word, the more they see stories um i'll tell you a story betty about a month before my father passed away i was in the he had his last bout of cellulitis um before he passed away he got cellulitis ironically and um we were in the er he was stage four metastatic cancer and I was with him and this doctor, I, you know, I'm very short. <laughs> and this doctor was maybe six, three, six, four. And he walks up and he was fine with the whole cancer and all of that. But he told me, you know, he stuck his hands in his pockets and he had this stance like he's at a baseball game or something. And he told me that lymphedema prior to uh, a cancer diagnosis was impossible and that I was crazy. And I said, let me speak very slowly and let me spell this for you. Lymphedema dystichiasis is caused by the FOXC2 gene. Write it down, go look in your little computer, come back and talk to me, okay? Because he's had this for over 40 years, and that's why I'm wearing these ridiculous stockings in 90-degree weather in Texas. He went away, comes back five minutes later, and what was that again? He gets out his pad. His <laughs> pen, and all of a sudden he starts listening. So, you know, for a doctor in Texas, again, small town Texas, uh, to tell me in 2016 that lymphedema prior to cancer is, is impossible, that that's disturbing to me. It's very disturbing. I like that he knew that it was associated with cancer, but the fact that he was just dis uh, dismissing the primary lymphedema form uh, was very disconcerting. 
I'm a little in shock, I think. <laughs> yeah. I was wow. in shock. I was in shock, and then I was enraged. Um, and then they admitted him. He had two IVs going in each arm. I was... This is a little amusing, but maybe not. I remember I was up there with him when they allowed visitors back. And the nurse, the ICU nurse, goes up to him and says, you know, uh, Pete, do you realize how sick you are? Do you realize how serious cellulitis is? And he rolled his eyes. And he said, ma'am, I've been having cellulitis bouts since before you were born. No disrespect. Can I just get a cup of coffee and maybe a breakfast tray here? (laughs) I mean, after a hundred bouts of cellulitis, you're kind of an expert on, yes, I know exactly how serious this condition can be. Yes. So um, it was bittersweet to look back upon those types of memories, but they do reveal the darker side of this disease and how important it is. And this is what we talk about week in and week out in our online support communities. We talk about maintenance, we talk about compression, we talk about uh, some people go down the surgery path, we talk about exercise, diet, all of those are factors in maintaining lymphedema and um Again, we're not medical professionals or looking to give any medical advice, but when you have um, a support system in place, you're more likely to be successful in managing this disease. Absolutely. So I want to switch gears just a little bit because the history and the background of Lymphy Strong is so important, but I do want to highlight your specific primary lymphedema diagnosis of dystochiasis. Mm-hmm. And in as much detail as you're comfortable with, um, would you just share part of your story about your diagnosis and your process as well? Well, sure, of course. Um, I think it really starts, and I want to add that this is important because when we are talking about primary lymphedema, we, we start talking about gray areas, right? A lot of people listening to the show maybe the first person or the only person in their family to present with these symptoms or with this disease, and they don't understand where it came from or why or what they did. First of all, it's not your fault. Um, so I'll go back to when I was 10 years old. I was, I was playing at a neighbor's house and I was scratched by a cat on my forearm. Within hours, I developed cellulitis for the first time. And my right inguinal node was the size of a golf ball. My right leg was the color of an apple. And I remember my father, my memories are hazy, but I remember my father coming home from work and him seeing me and him wrapping me up in blankets and speeding to the hospital. Um, I don't think my mom realized what was happening. I thought she just thought maybe I had the flu or something. Uh, but he was able to recognize the signs of cellulitis straight away. It was no problem for him. 
So that happened when I was 10 years old. And then 10 years later, when I was 20, is when I developed lymphedema. I was in college, and I just first started to notice that my foot was tight. And I was so afraid to bring it up. I kept thinking, you know, I kept... I kept thinking, well, maybe it's in my mind. <laughs> it was, it would swell at the end of the day. And I thought, well, I'm just, maybe just, maybe I need to switch my backpack to the other arm. You know, I'm just putting too much weight on that leg. And, um, but when I eventually got up to, because remember, we still didn't have a name. We didn't have a name for the disease. Um, all they kept calling, calling, what my dad would develop was cellulitis, but lymphedema is not cellulitis. The swelling itself is not cellulitis. So I didn't even know what to call it. Um, I finally told my mom, and my mom's like, we got to tell your dad. And I was like, no, I don't want to tell dad. And when I finally got the guts to tell him, he punched a hole in the wall. And he said, this family's cursed. That was so heartbreaking for both of you. Yeah. And um, he said, I'm sorry I gave this to you. I don't know what it is. I'm sorry. And I said, it's okay. We're going to be okay. I'm doing something new with Vern's interview. We want to interrupt today's episode to invite anyone listening in real time to join us tomorrow March 12th at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time for a Facebook Live Hangout. Listening in real time means you are listening to the sound of my voice on March 11th, 2019. If you're listening and it's March 11, 2079, sorry, but you've missed out. To be part of our Facebook Live, you must be a member of the closed Facebook group, Official Lymphy Strong Inspiration Group. This will be my first ever Facebook Live, so here's to hoping I don't make a fool of myself. I can't wait to meet more of you beautiful people tomorrow. Feel free to email me any questions you may have to lymphedemapodcast at gmail.com. If you won't be able to watch live, I will answer and give you a shout out so you can watch it again later. Oh, and the rest of our interview, it'll be posted Wednesday the 13th. Be sure to finish listening to Vern's personal story of her journey with lymphedema distichiasis, as well as her advice for others with primary lymphedema.